1: So, we were just talking about how emotionally intelligent people are often most vulnerable to toxic relationships because people with narcissistic traits know how to exploit. The fact that we focus on the good in people, we're able to admit our own fault, we have a lot of empathy, and we want to maintain closeness in our relationships. so they can sort of manipulate us by threatening a breakup if we don't behave in some way. And I came across this article this week on psychologytoday.com by licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist, Katie Gillis. And she talks about six stages of recovery from a toxic relationship. And I said to myself, I would love to have this clinician on the show. Hi, Katie Gillis. How are you?
0: Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. Your book
1: is called Invisible Bruises, How a Better Understanding of the Patterns of Domestic Violence Can Help Survivors Navigate the Legal System. Boy, I needed your book a bunch of years ago.
0: (laughs) I think a lot of people did. I I think it came a few years too late, but hopefully on time for for so many. So I am both
1: um, a psychology professor and a survivor of domestic violence myself. So I understand the dynamics experientially, as well yeah. as kind of the theory behind it. So when I read your article, I thought it so interesting. And and it's interesting that you made the comparison between Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's, yeah. you know, stages of dying. Can you explain a little bit about your stage theory of recovering from toxic relationships?
0: So I started noticing that recovery from these toxic relationships was a lot like recovery from you know like grief like a lot what uh, the five stages of grief as described by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross And now, of course, they don't—they don't mimic those stages. But I started noticing in my practice that people were following similar stages, where they were going through, you know, self-doubt, kind of like denial, which I call like the "am I crazy" stage, and then they were going through, you know, more. Um, clarity and then kind of breaking into more empowering stages towards the end. And then I also noticed...
1: Let's, in fact, break them down one by one. So uh, I don't know if you heard, but in this segment before, and I'm in a very secure, healthy relationship right now, but as a funny little joke, I was having dinner in a restaurant with my boyfriend, and he went out to get his cell phone and ended up moving the car to a closer place. And we got in the car afterwards and I said, I don't remember parking here. He goes, why don't you remember? And he literally gaslit me as a joke. And Uh, I I realized that I thought to myself, well, he must be right. I must just have forgotten. Yeah. And it's so easy to feel crazy when you're so in easy. these toxic relationships. So let's talk about the self-doubt, am I crazy stage.
0: Yes. So, so this stage is a lot of times, you know, it's, it's the beginning. It's a lot of times when clients will come in and they're like, okay, something's not adding up. Um, you know, he, he's saying this, they're saying this, she's doing this, it's not adding up. Um, and a lot of times it gives a lot of cognitive dissonance. Um, there's a lot of things where clients are like, okay... I, I must be crazy because I okay. could have sworn that it happened this way or or maybe I'm doing something to contribute to this or, or maybe if I just this, or maybe if I just that, and when you find yourself asking those questions, like that's what I find is the self doubt stage where you're like, you know something's weird, but you're not sure if and it's I can, you yeah. or what it is. Right.
1: I, I'm the one who yeah. would be like, what do I need yeah. to change? What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Right. But then mm-hmm. I went into a very lengthy stage so much that I got a master's and PhD doing it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is the learning, yes, I hear you. And, <laughs> which is the learning <laughs> and research
0: stage. Talk about that. So this is often when clients will come into session with phrases and terms. It's a lot of times lately within the past couple of years where clients will come in with phrases like narcissistic abuse, psychological abuse, personality disorder. Um, and I always want to say sometimes those terms fit. Sometimes they don't, but they, they give me some idea of what it is that they're going on and what's the, the experience that they're having. And um, so this is when, you know, clients are, you know, they're the people are, are just – looking for information and they're researching everything and there a lot of times people are you know seven pages Deep on TikTok or Instagram, and could do in the quizzes and things like that. And they're like, okay, they're making connections and they're seeing so many patterns and things that are making sense to them. And then they keep researching and keep researching and putting all the information together.
1: And I think this is really healthy because this is taking our prefrontal cortex and applying yes. it to a problem to be solved instead of wallowing yes. in the emotional piece of it all. Um, Katie Gillis, let me tell you a funny story. So when I was in therapy in the early years, as a client. Uh, My therapist had a wall of textbooks because she had a PhD and a wall mm-hmm. of books behind her. And so, you know, you could analyze it from an attachment theory perspective, but every Friday at my appointment, I would ask, could I borrow a book? And I would yeah. uh, devour that book, and by next week, I would return it. And, you know, we would analyze how it felt having a piece of her home with me, right? And uh, and so one day, of really a couple years into this, I was expounding on something, and I said, well, I mean, I don't have a degree in psychology, or anything, but I would think that. And she stopped me and she said, I actually want to stop you and tell you that you have a BA in psychology. You've just read it out of my library. <laughs> and I was like, What? Yeah. And that was when she suggested maybe I wanted to go back to graduate school. So mm-hmm. the learning and the researching was a little uh, over the top for me. Um,
0: but then comes this stage
1: of clarity. Talk about that. Yeah.
0: So this is when the research starts to slow down, where you don't feel like you need to do it as obsessively, maybe and maybe it's not hours long, mm-hmm. and- And instead you get a survivor... radio show about it? <laughs> yes, yes, or you, write, or you write a book, and you do, yes, I understand. <laughs> and the um, the survivor starts to kind of make sense. You know, um, there's still a lot of pain there. Um, I tell people that this, you know, you are still trauma bonded, you're vulnerable to relapse at this point, um, but the key element is that um, you're you're able to feel empowered. You're feeling more empowered because there's clarity. You're able to kind of say, okay, something happened that was beyond my control here. And there's something happened that, you know, maybe I couldn't have done anything to change it. And maybe I was powerless. And mm-hmm. it, there's an explanation.
1: We need to take a break now. My guest is... Uh, Katie Gillis. Her book is called Invisible Bruises, How a Better Understanding of the Patterns of Domestic Violence Can Help Survivors Navigate the Legal System. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the breaking free stage. And for me, it has to do with a grilled steak. I'll explain when we come back. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. My guest is Katie Gillis. She's a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist. Her book is Invisible Bruises, How a Better Understanding of the Patterns of Domestic Violence Can Help Survivors Navigate the Legal System. We're talking about the stages of recovery for somebody who's been in a toxic relationship. Uh, Katie, let's talk about stage four of six breaking free.
0: Yes. So this is when you start distancing yourself from them. And I always want to tell people sometimes this happens without you doing the breaking up, especially if you were discarded. Um, so sometimes that's a word discarded. Yep. So that's, that sometimes happens for you sometimes it's done for you if the person leaves you so it's not always something that you do willingly but this is when you start distancing yourself from them it's when you start doing things like um you know gray rocking like no contact those are com- common things that we talk about but things like like distancing yourself emotionally physically socially stop following them on social media stop looking them up and that kind of thing like really distancing yourself from them
1: So, uh, when I knew I was finally able to break free, uh, you know, I had two kids and the first thing I did after this episode of domestic violence, where sadly I was knocked unconscious is probably not the best thing. I moved to Italy with my two kids and no support system and I didn't speak the language. So it was like even more stressful. But when I came back, he went through a courtship phase trying to get me back. Now he's a vegetarian and he does not drink alcohol. And one night he invited me and the kids over to his apartment and he grilled me a thick steak and poured me a glass of red wine. And they had the two yeah. kids saying, mommy, mommy, can we be back together? Can we be back? Together? So can you imagine, right? Oh, the emotions yeah. he like pulled so full, manipulative. full cord press to try to get me. Mm-hmm. And I had tears in my eyes. And I said in front of my children and to him, I said, this is what you call false advertising. Yes. And that's when I knew that I could finally break free. Um, So stage five,
0: doing the work of healing. What does that involve? So... This is when you start developing an increase in understanding of yourself, of your patterns. And this is its not victim blaming. It's not saying that you did anything to cause it or, any, or to provoke it or anything like that. But it's when you start to really look at yourself and be like, okay, what is it about me that caused me to, you know, look at the red flags and ignore them or excuse mm-hmm. them or walk away from them? And it's really important to take a look at that and to understand and acknowledge your yourself as a human and your imperfections and and what it is that led you down that path
1: I always use that metaphor of the hole in the road for personal growth Mm -hmm. right you're walking down the street Mm -hmm. you don't see a hole you fall in then you finally Mm -hmm. recognize that hole and you very carefully walk around it so that's that stage of understanding like I had a piece I chose that I needed to learn this for some reason and Mm-hmm. I think the hardest part about doing the work of healing, certainly for me, was dealing with the shame. Because yes. I thought, oh, I'm yes. smart. This doesn't happen yes. to smart people. Now yes. I know our intellectual brain and our emotional brain are two different things. Mm-hmm. But it's, a, it's yeah. a, it can take years, can't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. And especially if you have children or family members or a community who is looking at you and saying, but can't you just work it out? Oh. and yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and finally, time. here we are today accepting and making meaning. Meaning yeah. is so important in this. Let's talk about that.
0: So, this is when you look at what it is that you get from this. Um, and this is essential, or you will repeat it, it is, you know, why did you experience this? What did you learn? And I know it can feel unfair unfair to say that, like I shouldn't have had to learn that lesson, but what did this do for me? Um, mm-hmm. Some people look at it through like a spiritual lens. Some people look at it through like personal growth, maybe their life purpose, you know, maybe looking to use it to help other people, that kind of thing. But what is it that you can do to make meaning from your life so that way you're you're not a victim, you're, you're turning it into being a survivor and and working through it and making meaning for your life.
1: And for me, it was I created amazing meaning in those children. Mm-hmm. I was like, without yeah. him, I would never have had these fabulous kids and this great life. And I'm proud to tell you that one of my daughters just graduated from Harvard like that and they're healthy and Yay. they're doing great. Right. So yeah. I, I feel like It was all necessary in order for my eyes to be as wide as they are. And also, you know, that saying that we're wounded healers. I mean, I don't have a clinical practice, so I'm not a healer in that way. But I do teach and I write. And had I not had the experience, had I not... You know, even had those moments as a single mother with a crying kid in a in a grocery cart and then my credit mm-hmm. cards all being declined and having to yes. put all the food back and having all yeah. those moments so that I can have mm-hmm. deep empathy for yes. men and women who go through this kind of stuff.
0: Yes, I, I believe that wholeheartedly.
1: Katie Gillis, thanks for being here. Where can people find you? Do you have a website?
0: Yes, it is my full name. It is gillis lcsw.com, and I have um, my book, my blog for Psychology Today is linked on there, too.
1: Great, and the book is Invisible Bruises, How a Better Understanding of the Patterns of Domestic Violence Can Help Survivors Navigate the Legal System. Before we go, one quick question. What can people do in the early stages of dating, the most important thing, to avoid getting into these relationships in the first place?
0: So the number one thing I always tell people to do is to watch how other people treat other people and i don't necessarily mean the most important person you know the valet or you know maybe the chef or the most important people that you're going on that you're interacting with on the date i'm talking about the people who are pumping your gas the, the people who they interact with watch how they treat people watch how they talk about people and no one is going to be perfect but just watch for a sense of entitlement watch for maybe a lack of empathy that kind of thing would give you some of like those early flags
1: that is great advice i actually wrote about that in my book called the boyfriend test is watch how he treats the little people all around him are they human beings to him is he able Mm to yeah and i know we're putting gender on this a little bit because my experience was happened to be a heterosexual one but we know that there are women narcissists as well who can be very manipulative and also in same-sex relationships a lot of abuse can happen right
0: Absolutely, yes.
1: Katie yes. Gillis, thanks, gendered, yeah. thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's a very important topic. It is. Thank you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.